0: Bible and join us tonight. We are in the book of Matthew as we are doing a short study on prayer. In fact, we're finishing it up tonight. I spent three weeks in this just looking at the Lord's prayer and talking about its application and just kind of encouragement in our life. We want you to be there with us, so hopefully you have a Bible and you're heading there now. If you don't, uh, there are Bibles in front of you in the chairs near you, in front of you there. You can use an electronic device. That works as well. If you're opening it up to a Bible app and are following along in that, we'd love to have you do that. Uh, If you're in the overflow or online, we're just going to give you the same invitation. We really want this to be a time that God's word is at work in your life. And so to do that, we're encouraging you to have that open and and be able to follow along and think and see uh, those things that God has in store for us. So as we head towards that, I'm going to lead you one more time in prayer, but asking that you would pray as well, that God would just speak to us, that he would make tonight what he has it to be for us, that he would work in a way that would give us just the ability to hear what he has for us. Father, we come right now and we thank you for this space. We thank you for your word that is good and powerful. God, we bring before it all the weakness that is us. We think about some of the technical challenges that we've had tonight that certainly just kind of hinder and and kind of create that space of just confusion. And yet, Lord, I'm so grateful that your word can't be hindered, that your word is powerful. Believing that, I'm asking that you would give us ears to hear tonight. In a way that we would both be met by you, impacted into this moment, and drawn uh, to that which you would have for our lives. You you know that. You see that. You see where we are. God, help. God, help us to hear your voice right now. God, help us to hear what you have for us. We pray for that together as we surrender this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what actually should you be praying about? Hey, it's actually a good question just to think with me for a moment. Sometimes just honestly asking, what are the things that should occupy that time that is meant to be what we call prayer, this access that we have to God, that God encourages us into doing? It's why we're here in Matthew chapter 6, and it's something that we consistently hold before you. I think about it. You guys have seen this slide. We've even put it up the last couple of weeks, but it's always running in our rotation uh, before and after services that just remind you. It just says, you know, that, you know, do you struggle with prayer? Jesus gave us a model prayer to help us, we wrote. We believe that the idea is not praying in a rote fashion, but using the Lord's prayer as an outline to guide us and the things that we should be praying for. In a very, very simple way, that is something we believe with all our hearts, and we want it to be something that meets you not as a way of uh, weight or legalism or you have to do it this way, but meant to be help. Help in the way that sometimes you're thinking, okay, maybe you do get down there, and you're you're thinking about praying, and you're like, well, so what should I be praying about? Like, what are those things that I should be occupying my my prayers with? And sometimes you can get to the end of your prayer and think, did I even, was I doing what I was supposed to do? Well, in that sense, Jesus gave us this. He gave us this that he tells us is a model prayer. Again, if you're noticing it there in Matthew chapter 6, he says it this way in verse 9, in this manner... Therefore, pray in this manner, according to maybe this pattern, this example, pray. And, and he lays out the Lord's Prayer in a way that can be, ought to be a place where we pray, that we could use it. And I've encouraged it uh, each week. And we do again every now and then that you would take this as a, as a outline, maybe once a day, not every time you pray, that would make it overly cumbersome, but at least once a day sit down and just pray through it. Just nod by word by word, but subject by subject. So we've done our best to even help with that. And so if you ever use our Bible reading bookmarks, you would notice on the back of them, uh, we print out the Lord's Prayer there and we break it up into the subjects that are found there. Now that said, there's actually a little bit of debate. And so kind of taking you into a technical realm just for a quick moment, but it's kind of gonna be a good ba- place for us to begin we have the Lord's Prayer laid out there, and there's a good uh, biblical debate as to how many subjects uh, are actually found in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I break it up in our in little bookmark into 10 things, but that's as much practical. Uh, honestly, if you really wanted to take it kind of in, in a very accurate way, but if I can say it that way, kind of theological way, there's seven. There's seven things that he invites us to pray for. Though we have 10 listed here, they, they are broken down into seven. I'll just quickly point out why. At the end of it, you have it there where it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. But yet many of you guys would have a note in your Bible that would let you know that when you look at that, it's not found in the majority of the manuscripts that are found in the scriptures. And so that last section, uh, many Bible students think are at, is added to it. It's not found in the repeated place in the, in the gospel of Luke when Jesus also gives uh, the model prayer. That last section is not included there. That said, there's nothing... Even remotely, not a good thing to you know, see there. It's a good blessing. It's a good space there. So we, you know, we kind of leave it and say, hey, you know, I don't have any problem with it. You know? But in its, in its essence, it's probably not found there. Then we have these last four that I break up into four things, but that's as much practical. In truth, they actually flow together. That we kind of look at praying for forgiveness and, and then praying for rescue. Those are actually hooked together. So it'd be, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive others. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So why do I even go there? I have no idea. No, just kidding. Um, here's the kind of what you think about just for a moment. So again, I break it up into 10, but that just it works for my brain, because even though I'm going to tell you there's seven, there are like 10 practical areas to work through. But if you want to think about it just in the seven with me for a moment, or the 10, either one works, I want you to think about it almost like a percentage, almost in a sense of thinking through the kind of things that we ought to pray for. So we've talked about it in the first evening that we talked about. We walked through the first parts of it where we think about praying in this relationship with God, our Father who art in heaven. We worship him and acknowledge who he is, just hallowed be your name and your kingdom come. So three out of the seven, almost half of it, hasn't even gotten to any space where you're honestly really asking for God's guidance or his help, which is an interesting thing because not for all of us, but for some of us, that's the majority of our prayer. The majority of our prayer is, you know, Lord bless, lead, guide, and direct, you know, um, do this, do this for Aunt Susie, do this for, you know, Uncle Fred, and then I need this, and we need this, and we need this, and we need this, and we need this, and, 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 and God, please work in this, and again, we're supposed to cast all of that before God, but it's an interesting thing that three out of the seven, so almost half of it, really just are in the space of us just diving into who God is, that we get to know Him, uh, that we get to 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 be those who who worship Him, that we get to have a hope. In fact, when we talked about this two weeks ago, we even used that passage out of First Corinthians where it says, you know, that we have you know this faith, uh, you know, we have we have love, faith, and hope, and the greatest of these is love. In some ways, that's what we have here. You know, we have this love that we get to talk to God about. We have a faith where we get to believe in who He is, and we have a hope. And I communicated then, and I just quickly toss it out now. You know, the interesting thing if you can pray through these things, even just these first three, everything else flows out of it. Everything else flows out of recognizing God, the, the love relationship, that, that God is our Father, that He's massive, that we can believe in a sovereign, holy, righteous, good God, and we can root our life in the midst of the whole story, the gospel, the, the big story, that this is not the end of the day, that we're looking to heaven, and we recognize today's in the midst of that. When you can kind of root your heart there, everything else is going to just flow out of it, and so it's a huge part of what our prayers is, and it should be in your life as well, that your prayers can, you know, it should be more than just asking for things, but it can be in this place uh, of, of worship and, and acknowledging him and certainly inviting you into it. Again, not in a legalistic way of, of making you feel just like struggling more, because for most of us, we understand it. prayer is one of those things that nobody uh, you know, feels like, man, I'm, I've got this thing just going. You know, Most of us know we're struggling, so I'm not trying to add to your struggle. I'm just trying to add, just give you help and say, hey, spend some time just in relationship to God, talking about that, worshiping him, rooting yourself in the hope of what heaven is and and the entire story of where our life fits in. So we had those first three of us that really, again, almost are half of it. Then we came last week to really what is that place of intercession, that place of asking, you know, that we're asking for God's Guidance. We're asking for His will to be done in our life, asking for His work in the midst of it, and we're asking for God's supply. Once again, maybe it's not true of you. Maybe I'm, I'm, you know, catching nobody here that where you are. For some, this is most of your prayer. And again, I want to say it is meant to be a part of prayer. It is meant to be a place where you're asking for God's guidance and you're asking for His help and you're asking for his healing and strength and encouragement and supply, that is meant to be a part of prayer. But if we were just to kind of take it out of the hole, it's two. It's two of the subjects out of seven uh, that are actually there. It is, you know, somewhere in the the nature of about 28%, about about a third uh, of what that whole thing is, that when we think about our prayer life, if You know, asking for things and asking for God's help occupies 70, 80, 90% of our prayer life. Well, I'm just trying to just encourage you for a moment. You might be missing it. Uh, You might be missing that. No, I mean, it is a part of it. It's not the whole. It's a section. Uh, It's two requests out of the seven. It's two out of the midst of it. And so, again, we get to kind of gaze into that and hopefully begin to reorient our lives and say, okay, prayer is more than that. It is that, and we should cast all of our cares on God, and we should, you know, give Him all that concerns us, but prayer is so much bigger than this. So that's kind of where we've been, so that's a lot of just quick information just kind of reminding you of it, but we get to come to the last part of it, and again, here's where, again, we get to think through this in this way, so practically. Practically. I'm going to give it to you in four things. I'm going to tell you, and honestly, that's how it works in my prayer life personally. So that's probably why it's on the bookmark that way, because I, I, I did it. So, um, so, you know, so yeah, it kind of works that way. And as I pray through it, it does work through four things. But again, theologically and, and, and just accurately, there, there's two things. It's, it's forgiveness and then, you know, gazing into the future. But once more, just understanding that this is meant to be a big part of prayer. This is meant to be as big as praying for God's guidance and God's supply. If this is meant to be a prayer that we pray every day, and I think it is, I think it's a good example, I think it finds itself help there, then maybe it's not surprising to you, but maybe it is. To actually recognize that a big part of your prayer life is meant to be dealing with sin. That a big part of your prayer life is... It is meant to be dealing with, you know, sin in your world, in your life, and, and where it's going. Again, you know, two out of the seven, or four out of ten, depending on how you want to, you know, count it. So somewhere in the midst of, you know, 30, 40 percent, you know, of, of, of that whole thing would be, okay, so this is actually meant to be a part of how this works in my life. Now again, maybe it is. Again, maybe I'm just saying this this evening, and right off the bat, you're like, man, I do. Like, I, I, that is something that I rec- recognize, but maybe you don't. And, and, and I know this. I know that I'm talking to a group of people that you struggle with us. Uh, you know, we are all sinners. I mean, that's what the Bible clearly lays out to us, that, you know, we were sinners since, you know, from, from, from the very beginning, from the moment we were born, we were born into sin. And we struggle with sin every single day. There's not anybody here this evening that's going to be like, oh, I don't, man. That's, it's been five years, man. It's just, you know, I don't you know, ever. I'm so glad to have that something past tense, and it's not true. You know, the, the weights of it move in constant cycles in our lives, and yet the weird thing is that sometimes maybe because of some wrong beliefs biblically or wrong teachings that have come, we, we've to some just recognize, you know, this is what we should be talking to God about. I mean, this is a big part of our relationship with him that, it, that our prayer life is meant to be dealing with this struggle that we have. And so I wanna invite you towards that this evening. So let's begin working our way through this, and we'll continue doing what we've done the last couple weeks. We'll work through each one of these, and then I'll pause and and give you a moment to ask a question if I haven't made something clear, uh, or if you have a question in the midst of that. But in the end of it, I'm just encouraging you, the weight of it, to recognize there is power, and there is help, and there's a space in your prayer life that is meant to be that you daily are, are wrestling and dealing with sin and, and, and what that looks like. And there's a place where God is inviting you to that. So let's take this first one. You know, we get this place where he tells us, you know, that we're gonna come and we're gonna ask this whole thing. He gives it to us there in verse 12. You know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In the gospel of Luke, it tells us, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And there's a, a beautiful just place that we're recognizing. It is both of that, that sin is a debt. It is that which goes against God. And we're meant to be those that are coming and dealing with us. We're asking for that. So let's kind of think this through just for a moment. Part of daily praying about this, part of what this ought to be in your life, in mine, is to recognize first and foremost what we have in Christ, to recognize that when we think about sin and we think about all that it is, there is a sense of what we do is that we rest in what is ours forever in Christ. In big ways that I have no time to you know, fully unpack and none of us can fully get there, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have believed upon him, then when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished. It was finished. The weight of your sin, all of it was paid for. They would tell us in Hebrews, by one sacrifice forever, he has taken care of our sin. He's removed it from us. So that Romans 8 would tell us that now there is no condemnation for any of us who are in Christ. That our sin, like all all of it is fully dealt with. That, that there, there's not, you know, your sin, all that you've ever committed, your sin that you're struggling with now, your sin that you will struggle with in the future, your past, present, and future, it was nailed to the cross. And, and, and that is fully paid for you if you're a follower of Jesus. If you've believed upon him. And so part of this is that, part of this is understanding that that forgiveness, it can't be earned It's not maintained by us, but it is meant to be enjoyed by us. It is meant to be that we grow in both the knowledge and the appreciation of what Christ has done for us. It may be surprising to you, but let me try to just unpack it this way. The the biblical weight of this, in fact, the historical weight of looking into people who've kind of dove into this in their own lives is recognizing that for someone who's growing in Christ, there's not a place that sin begins to become um, something that you're less concerned about, or you know, just you're you're so resting in Christ that you don't know. Most people who are growing in Christ, it's as if they're continually discovering, like I'm really a sinner. Like I thought I was a sinner before. I think I'm really a sinner. I mean, I used to think that I was like mostly bad, but the more I grow in Christ, it's like, know I think I'm all bad. I think there's not anything in there. And, and, and that's not a comfortable place to grow in, but it's a place that should drive us to the wonder of Christ. John Newton, the pastor who wrote Amazing Grace, said it this way He says, Although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great savior. He says, This is what I know. I, I, this is what I am a great sinner. And, and, and I know that, but you know what? I have a great Savior. So part of dealing with our sin should dive us there, that we should be able to come and say, God, I, I'm just, I'm so glad. Like, you know, for Christ, I'm so glad for the forgiveness that is mine. So this prayer is not earning that. This prayer is not gaining that. This prayer should in part be just enjoying that. That said, there is still a relational aspect Of forgiveness that is meant to be daily maintained. And it's here where we need to kind of separate them. Understanding that, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, again, your your sin is, you are fully justified. You will never have to atone for your sin. It's done. It, it It is done. But we still have to deal with sin. As long as we're here, not in a way of earning our salvation, not in a way of maintaining that, but in a way that is meant to be relational. Now, I was trying to think about how to say that well. And so uh, when I was doing some research on it, so, you know, John MacArthur in his uh, study Bible had a little note on it. I put it there in your booklets. So I'm just going to read part of it up here on the screen, but it's there in your booklet. So you don't have to be like, oh, I'm going to try to write this down. Don't write it down. It's already in your booklet. So you already have it if you picked it up. But he says, you know, when we come to this place, we're saying, and Jesus is going to say in this verse, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. He says, this is not to suggest that God will withdraw justification from those who've already received the free pardon He extends to all believers. Forgiveness in that sense, a permanent and complete acquittal from the guilt and ultimate penalty of sin belongs to all who are in Christ. So again, I'm trying to say that well. He hits it well, but... This is not something that you have to maintain. This, this idea that if you don't do this, that somehow your justification, that somehow you're being right with God, your eternal salvation is in jeopardy, that's not it at all. He says, yet yeah, the scripture also teaches that God chastens his children who disobey, Hebrews 12. Uh, Believers therefore are to confess their sins in order to obtain a day-by-day cleansing, that it's not about us, you know, keeping our salvation, that if we didn't do it, that somehow we're going to lose our salvation, any of those things. He says this sort of forgiveness is a simple washing from the worldly defilements of sin not a repeat of the wholesale cleansing from sin's corruption that comes with justification. It is like a washing of feet rather than a bath, which Jesus unpacks for us. By the way, in John 13, if you ever kind of walked with us when we do the Passover Seders, we spend some time in this, and we try to talk about the difference. There's a, there's a bath that is ours in Christ, a full salvation the forgiveness that is daily is no longer it's not that we're earning that but we still are needing to deal with sin not as a way of you know maybe i'm not saved or i'm losing that because i'm not but a place of like you know there's a place of needing to to deal with this every day stepping into this place where we walk in that so first john would tell us you know if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness again not as a way of earning our salvation but it's a way of just a relationship. But you, you do need to confess. You do need to be able to come to him and say, God, I, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I desperately need your washing. I desperately need your forgiving. Now, without you know, spending a whole lot of time in this, we'll see where you guys have any questions in it. This isn't the kind of thing where you have to, um, you know, with kind of like a red line, cross out every sin that you commit. Like you actually, you know, have to, you know, do it in the Roman Catholic sense where you have to go into a you know, confessional booth and confess those sins as if somehow you didn't remember everything, you're in trouble. This isn't that. In fact, when we do look at the way forgiveness is held in the scripture, many times it's not a repeating uh, of the things that I've done. It's just coming and saying, God, you're right, and I'm wrong. I, I, I've sinned, I am a sinner. And so there isn't a place. I mean, not that if you are aware of some things, so you're coming to God daily in prayer, and you might just recognize, Lord, I lost my temper. I, I said some things I shouldn't have said. Lord, wash me. Just just let that wash over me again. I need that. But you can also just come and say, God, there's probably so much that I don't know, but I'm recognizing you're right. And, and I, just, I just want that washing. I just want to stand before you right now and, and recognize who I am in Christ and, and, and walk in, in, in the wonder of that. It is meant to be a space that daily we are dealing with our sin. That daily we are coming and saying, God, I, I'm, I need forgiveness. I am one who, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. You're great Savior. And I am needing to ask for that. It is meant to be a consistent part of your prayer. Well, there's so many things I could say in the midst of that, but I think it might be just helpful if I pause right there and say, okay, when you're thinking about this, when you're thinking about asking for forgiveness, uh, again, as a consistent part of your prayer, again, we've tried to touch on some of the theological things as well as practical. What questions do you have uh, in this? Anybody have a question that you want to make sure I address as we're thinking about this this evening? So either I said it really well, or nobody's going to be like, well, I'm not asking a question about sin, because like, they're going to they're think I am. You know? Well, you are. You, know, you are. you are a mess, and, and you are struggling. And maybe again, you are. Maybe, maybe again, you are doing this. But I just want to tell you, what a terrible thing to, to be in a place where we have forgiveness. We, we have a Savior who paid for all of our sin, where he is inviting us consistently to step into his presence and say, God, just forgive me. And just wash me. And he would say, I will. If you confess your sins, I will wash it. And, and, and just this space where, where that can be gone, where our where he tells us, if you confess your sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin. For some of you, I'm just telling you, if you could just believe that, if, if you could believe that, it would change your whole day. It would change your weeks around. But instead of that, you walk around with the weight of your failure. You walk around always thinking, no, no, I am, I, you know, he's still mad at me. I'm still a mess. I, I am not forgiven. I am not clean. Uh, I, I don't have that. And yet he has given this to you. And, and, it's, and it's power into your life every day where you could step into it and say, God, I, 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 I am a mess. I am a great sinner. And you are a great Savior. Cleanse me. Let me walk in what I am. Let me, let me know the power of your forgiveness in my life. Let me know the wonder of Christ. Let me know the, the beauty of, of his sacrifice. For, I mean, it's just powerful that would change everything. Royce. Could you talk a little bit about, because about, uh, I'm a Christian and I've done it myself too, where we struggle with the fact that we almost, we obviously get to a point where we feel like we're not worthy of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Royce's question is that you know one of the struggles we have is this place of feeling unworthy um, and a, a place of dealing with you know I don't deserve I I don't deserve that and and if I can say that quickly and if I'm not answering it you can try to just go in a little bit more more I will say that's a huge deal but that's the basics of the gospel you are not worthy. And it's a weird thing. I mean, I know that probably if I sat down and asked most of you in this room, and you would say, "Nope, nope, it's all Jesus. It's, it's all Jesus. It's all His." But in the back of our mind, we still think, "But He probably picked me because I'm a good person." You know, I mean, I'm, there's, you know, because I, I try harder, and I, you know, I really try hard. And, and then you you come to this place where it's like, "I'm not. I'm selfish and I'm sinful and I'm, you know, and there, there's so much about me." And then you can begin to put yourself into this place where that sense of unworthiness instead of driving you to Christ. So all of us struggle with this and the more you grow in Christ would be there. And what it ought to do is to drive you to the wonder of Jesus, that it ought to drive you into this place where you're like, wow. I mean, I thought Jesus was a great savior yesterday. He is a better savior than I thought because I used to think a little bit more of me, but the less I think about me, the more I see of his greatness. That's how it's supposed to work. But its practicality, here's what sometimes happens. For some of us, we begin to, you know, almost want to play God ourselves, and, and like, well, you know, I don't deserve to forgiveness. I don't deserve to be forgiven. I should, I should suffer for a little while. You know, I need to, need to be put in penance for a little while. I need to kind of, you know, maybe in a week, you know, I'll go back to reading my Bible and, and praying, you know, but I don't need to, he shouldn't, yeah, I mean, and we begin to, um, in, our, in our unworthiness, instead of embracing the wonder of Christ, it's an arrogance, and just flat out, it's it's an arrogance, it's sin, it's an arrogance that puts you in the place of God instead of God, it's a place that, but ultimately it just keeps you from stepping towards that instead of just, it it should drive you to this. I mean, the wonder of dealing with your sin every day, it's like, Lord, it's (laughs) me, like I'm the mess, you know, I'm the sinner, I'm the sinner, and you're the savior, it should be a beautiful thing. But when you begin to arbitrate your own life, um yeah it's it 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 just it drives us from him. So yeah so we are unworthy. Yeah. We're made worthy through the blood of Christ and that's the part. Yes. Good. Yeah, we are unworthy. We're made worthy through Christ or it's Christ. It, it's not us. It's the greatness of his sacrifice, the greatness of who he is. And where it works right, that's where it comes. Is just like I'm not he is. You know, I don't deserve this. He's a great savior. Uh, I, that he is he's beautiful and fantastic and, and, and his forgiveness, I mean, is, wow, I mean, stellar, but it should drive you not to, your, you know, if you're dealing with your sin rightly, you'll never come out of it thinking, well, you know, I think I'm a pretty good person. You should continue to come out. It's like, I am not, but Jesus is amazing and his, what he has done in my life is, is amazing. So it draws you to that and it ought to be that way and you need it because here's again the thing, I know this. I know that for some of you, you know, that it's, you know, that what you're dealing with right now. And and for some of you, you've already, I mean, several times even through the day, you're like, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Just wash me. I want to step to it again. But for somebody even here this evening, it's been days. I mean, you're like, well, you know, I just, you know, I don't, I haven't really been praying because I just feel bad. I feel like I just, I don't deserve it. You know, and, and he's like, what are you doing? I mean, the prayer is meant to be this place where you graciously step towards the wonder of Christ and enjoy his forgiveness and ask for it. So again, just telling it to you that it should be a daily part of your prayer life. And if you only get this out of what I've said, if you remember, hey, like I should be dealing with my sin every day, it will do amazing things where you would say, God, I, I need to talk to you. I need to come in and, and ask and I need to come in and be cleansed, and I need to come in and, and recognize what I am in Christ and what you have made me to be in Christ, it would be just incredible. Well, that's important, but we do need to tag in the other part of it because it's actually one part of the same request. So it's forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors that as we're asking for this, we are also meant to be those who are displaying this. And and Jesus connects them together. In fact, he brings it in such a way that being forgiving, it's not an optional part of our prayer life. So you got it, right? You're reading it there in verse 12, where it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the only thing that he gives commentary on after that is this subject. So gaze down there to verse 14. Jesus says it this way. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, wow. Okay, this is where we just need to think this through for a moment because he has just connected this. He has just connected that, you know, our forgive being forgiven is connected to us being forgiving now we think about all of this and again i want to just quickly try to say what i just said we're not talking about your salvation this is not how you earn your salvation jesus is not saying if you do this you'll get saved because we can uh salvation isn't coming to an end of ourself salvation is a recognition of christ and, and his wonder and his worth so we're not talking about um earning our way to heaven. We are talking about just this relationship that we have with God. And what he's telling us is that two are connected. There's no way for us to be right with God and wrong with people. It can't happen. Uh, that that, can, that they're, they're not disconnected, that they're ultimately in Christ connected. This idea of loving God and loving people, you, you, can't, you can't have one without the other. Now you guys know this, right? I mean, we spent time on this in 1 John where First John says it over and over. It's like, okay, if somebody says, you know, God and I are great, I just don't like people, John's like, you're a liar, because can't, it can't happen. It's impossible for you to be right with God and wrong with people, because they are connected in our relationship with Christ. And so, as we think about this, you know, our sin and forgiveness is meant to fuel us being forgiving. That because we are forgiven... It should motivate us to forgive. Now, Jesus talks about this a lot. Uh, He gives a great parable later in the book of Matthew where he talks about, you know, a servant who is forgiven just this massive debt, you know, that uh, just never could be repaid. And and he is forgiven, and yet he takes a fellow servant to task for a, a minuscule debt. And he goes on and talks about it, that, that the master you know, puts the other servant back into the torturers until it's done. And, he, and Jesus just says, if you're not going to do it, like you're not going to forgive others, you're not going to enjoy my forgiveness. And so our unforgiveness chokes out our forgiveness, not our salvation. You're not losing your salvation. I'm not saying that way. But if, if we aren't laying that down, then it actually does hinder us enjoying this place of of being able to confess our sins and enjoy the beauty of Christ that we have to do this. So how do you do this? Well, I'm just going to talk to you about how I do it. And and there's probably others that could say it far better. You know, I'm, I'm aware of the two being connected, but I pray through this every day. So I get to this space and I just, you know, I'll just kind of present it before God. It's like, God, is there any? Is there anybody that I'm holding unforgiveness towards? Is, is there anything right now that I, you know, need to deal with right now before you? Sometimes it's really clear. Sometimes it's like, yeah, you already know. <laughs> like I need to come. Other times it's like, I don't know, but I, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I recognize how important this is. And so daily I kind of hold this. Now, if I find myself struggling with being forgiving towards somebody, for me, it is again, recognizing the connection the only way that I can really be forgiving to others is to go back and recognize, wow, like I don't deserve it. I mean, do I, do I have any idea what Christ has done for me? Do I have any concept of how unworthy I am and how righteous he would be just to you know, cast me into hell for all eternity? I mean, just righteous would he be if, if that's what he did, but Christ has died for my sin and, and he has given me so much. And so kind of going back and, and, and diving into that then fuels this. And so if, I, if that makes any sense, sometimes what I recognize is I get to this part of the prayer and I'm struggling with unforgiveness and I kind of recognize I didn't do the other part very well. Like, I need to go back to dealing with my sin. I need to go back to dealing with who I am in, in Christ and what he has done for me. And if I can get that, it's like, pfft, how could I not be gracious to other people? It's like, man, I could, it's, he has been so very gracious to me, and it fuels that, and so the two are meant to be connected, and so for me, it's often that place of of, of dealing with it, and, and yet going back to the source, which is always Christ, which is always what he has been for me, and that fuels this. Now, as I lay that out, I also want to say this, though. One of the things about recognizing Um, this part of being forgiving and and forgiving others is oftentimes that this kind of forgiving takes kind of a daily renewal. And and this is as much practical as it is also just true biblically, um, but again, might just be helpful. See, God's forgiveness, he's God. And his forgiveness is amazing, right? I mean, when he forgives us, he just forgives us. I mean, it's, it's in that space that he looks at us and, and tells us you know, that he no longer treats us in, in that way of, of dealing with our sin, that our sin is cast away as far as the East is from the West. And, and so no longer does he deal with us uh, on the basis of our sin. Our struggle is that we just don't have the ability to do that. And, and I know that you know what I'm talking about probably. It's like, I wish I could just forget I mean, I wish I could just kind of like, how do I just, do I mean, can you like erase your brain? You know, it's like, I wish I could do it, and, and you can't. So what I find um, is that in this space of prayer, it's not uncommon that we're dealing with the same thing over and over and over again. That there's like this, this wound that sin is in our life, and it's like this, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, this, you know, daily oozing sore. And it's like, man, I'm gonna deal with it. I'm gonna, God, wash this away. Help me to be forgiving. I'm, you know, this person wounded me. They, they did something and I'm gonna forgive them because you've been a great savior and you deal with it and you do really, it's really, really good. And the next day it's like, it's back again. You know, it's like, I forgave him yesterday, but it kind of crept back up into my heart. You know, just now I remember all the mean things they said. And now I remember what it felt like. And it's like, I have to deal with this again. And then, and it's like, okay, I dealt with it. And then, but then again, it's not saying it always has to be that way. I'm not trying to create it, but I am saying that it's so constantly there, but that's part of why it has to be every day. And so it shouldn't be surprising, you know, that it is that way. If you're kind of that person it's like, I tried to forgive, I couldn't do it did you think it was a one-time thing? Did you think it was like, hey, I just forgave him and then I don't ever have to deal with this again? Did you not recognize that, no, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta deal with this kind of on a daily basis where I'm coming before God and saying, God, forgive me and wash all that that is, away. So again, just pausing there and uh, giving space uh, for any questions as you think about this, this place where we are asking you know, God to forgive us as we forgive others. Questions that you might have on that. You guys are going to leave me hanging most of the night, huh? So I, I, I kind of knew that just talking about sin might make it that way, but at the same point, I'm just wanting to make sure that I don't leave you where you don't have a question answered. Mary. Right. I keep forgiving her in my mind, but it's really hard. It's like she should have got the hint, but I'm not calling her back, she's right. like, oh, I don't want to be bothered with her because she was such a negative person and, and quite mean. Yeah. You know, and it took me a few years to really realize that. Yeah, good. So that's been kind of hard. It is. Like I said, it's such a brokenness to dealing with you know, others in in the way that we do with sin. And so as Mary points out, you know, sometimes it is that place where, again, you're still having to deal with it, but other times it is that place of others. And there is, you know, being forgiving doesn't mean we put ourselves back into the place of being wounded. That's not necessarily there, but it's constantly having to deal with it. But it's constantly having to deal with it, both in our own heart and then how that works out. So it is a tough space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough space. It's a tough space. You know, honestly, needing God to to just work in the midst of it, it's worth asking, uh, coming through. But again, in that space of just being able to come and acknowledge that. Good. Anything else? If not, we're going to keep going just because I'm going to get myself stuck. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Don't be afraid in asking help and forgiving others. Absolutely. You know, coming before God and saying, God, I need help. Like, I'm struggling with this. I need your help doing this. That's a daily part of it. Good. Right. Gayla. How do we help others to forgive? Gayla's question is, how do we help others to forgive? I mean, ultimately, um, forgiveness is one of those spaces that is a daily thing for each of us. Uh, that, that we, you know, get to deal with on our own, and so we can't. I mean, it's one of those places that everybody's relationship with God is their relationship. Um, we can teach it. We can do what I'm doing right now, uh, saying, hey, this is what you have in Christ. This is what you can have, what you ought to be, uh, but there's no way to create it for others. And so, uh, again, it's one of those spaces of just encouraging it. But living it out all by yourself, I think, would be helpful. All right. Well, let's go back, and so we, we've looked at this, we've asked for forgiveness, where we're dealing with our sin, we're recognizing daily that I'm a sinner, that I'm in need of this, and then we move forward, uh, that there is a place that he says, okay, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. So now we're dealing with sin, not that we have sinned, but the struggle that is now in our path in front of us. And we come and we ask that we would not be led into temptation. Now let's be very clear about this, but just very quick about it. There's no sense that God is the one that, you know, he causes that. In fact, James gives it to us very, very clearly. He says that no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anybody. It's not like God is playing games with us. It's not like he is the one trying to lead us into sin. He doesn't do that. And so the prayer that Jesus is teaching us is not that. In fact, it's important to understand, even in the midst of this, how temptation works. That sin and temptation, they're different. That to be tempted isn't sin. It's just, you know, Jesus was tempted in all manner, as we were, and yet he didn't sin. So going back to that passage in James, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one of us is tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires. Like it's my brokenness that then finds itself enticed by the the sin in the world and the things that are there. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. So temptation is my brokenness. Temptation is my own desires in in the midst of that. And so as we're coming before God and we're recognizing this, we are now gazing ahead into our day. So wherever it is, you're praying. And part of this prayer is just to ask, God, rescue me. Rescue me, not just from sin, but from temptation. Lead me. It's almost like, you know, putting out your hand like a child, like God, take hold of me because like, I'm going to make a mess of it. Like, leave me alone, and I can mess this up in, like, four seconds, you know? I need help to navigate my future, you know, so that it could keep us actually from actually entering into temptation, not just sinning, but even keep us out of places where we would be tempted. That's what Jesus talked about. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, he told the disciples uh, when he was there, he said, pray that you may not enter into temptation." I mean, t- you know, temptation isn't sin. It's, just, it's giving in to temptation that is sin. But we could actually say, I don't, I'd like to not even have to get into it. <laughs> like, I'd like to not even have to, f- like, let's not do that. And Jesus said, again, in Matthew's gospel, the same place, he said, watch and pray. Lest you enter temptation, the spirit is indeed willing, the flesh is weak. Like, there's a place of staying in prayer, leaning on Christ, that if you do that, there will be some temptations you won't even have to deal with because he's both rescued you from it and lead you in a way. And so part of this prayer is just saying, God, help me. Like, like I would love this. And, and it's an amazing thing to sit there and wonder. I wonder how much he actually, you we are asking for this in this beautiful place of just saying, God, I would like to not even have to face some of those temptations. And he says, if you'll pry, you, you we can do that. And, you know, if you're, if you're in prayer, if you are praying. There'll be a space where he would rescue us even out of that. That said, part of this is also just recognizing that God would lead us, you know, not into temptation, but if we can say it, kind of lead us out of temptation. And part of that is the promise that he would do that. I think about it in that well-known verse in 1 Corinthians, where it says, no temptation has overtaken us, such is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation Will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This is a great promise. There's a great promise that he says, okay, there's never gonna be a temptation that God's not gonna make a way out for you. So, part of what this place in prayer is, is kind of gazing into that. It's like, okay, God, you know, I, I mean, I'm you know, getting ready to take more steps into this day, and I'm gonna make, you know, I need your help. I need, I need help not to sin, I need help to be led away from temptation. And and, and even just recognizing those moments of temptation, just asking that he would so work in your life to help rescue you from you. That's powerful. That's powerful that it's meant to be a space in our life, that it's meant to be a place that as we face uh, temptation, as we kind of walk in this, that there ought to be a space that we are kind of gearing ourselves up for it. And I know I'm probably saying the same thing over and over, so I apologize, but it shouldn't be a surprise to you. I mean, I've already told you, you're a mess. You're a sinner. You're, you're a sinner from the get-go, and you struggle with sin every day. Every day, things come your way. Every time you live in a broken world, and, and things are around you every day. That should not be a surprise to you, but it's kind of a funny thing. Because some of us, we don't gear ourselves up for that. I mean, it's almost like temptation comes, like boom, it just knocks us over. And it's like, I had no idea. Instead, you should be saying, oh, it is coming. Temptation is coming. I, I know there's temptations in my, you know, in, my, in my world today. God, if you don't help me, I'm going to mess it up. And, and so I want to begin praying even before I get to the temptation, so that I'm like, I, I, I saw, I, I knew it was coming, I was expecting it, and, and I know where, where I'm weak, and, and so there ought to be a place that you are spiritually preparing and asking for God to help, and he does this. I mean, it'd be an amazing thing to, to honestly just take God at his word and say, God, help me as I face these things. Be the one who would be this in my life. So again, just saying it to you in a basic way. Maybe you already are. Maybe I'm saying something that nobody needs to hear in this room. But for some of you, I just think it's not. I think your dealing with sin is probably always after the fact. If you do anything, you ask for forgiveness, and probably not as much as you ought to. But you don't sit there and go, oh no, it's coming. There, there, there's temptations before me, and God, you see them. Help me, take, guide my life around them, show me, give me wisdom. Lead me away from them. Rescue me from them. I already know. I already know I'm going to face things. And if i left left on my own, I will mess this up. And that honesty is powerful. It's meant to be a part of your, our prayers. Well, let me just add the next part and then we'll pause again for questions just for time's sake. So we're watching through this whole thing. So we're asking for rescue uh, as we head indentation, but we're also asking for deliverance from the evil one. Now, Quick technical note, it could, in some of your translations will say this, uh, deliver us from evil, uh, and some translations say evil one. It's really uh, one of those uh, translations that's a very difficult translation, but here's the deal. Um, in many ways, it's six one-half dozen of the others, because evil is, is here a, is, is a noun. It's not talking about, um, you know, lead me away from doing wrong. It's like, lead me away from, from that which is wrong in our world. And ultimately, that is fueled by Satan. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's the tempter. He's the one that is, you know, just masterminding so much of the brokenness in our world. So, but if you want to wrestle that through theologically, go for it. But I'll end it in the sense of just saying, hey, it is recognizing it. That we are, you know, not only do, if, I, if I'm going to try to do the right thing today, not only am I going to have to deal with me, not only am I going to need God's help to deliver me from messing it up, But I have things that are against me. I have things that are working around me to bring me down. Uh, That is the world, that is Satan, and the things that he's doing in this. And so part of this is just a recognition of that. Part of this is just a recognition that we really are living in enemy territory, And that the Bible's really clear about it. This is not our home. This is Satan's home. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit who's working in the midst of the sons of disobedience. Like this is his world in in many ways that he's kind of manufacturing all that's taking place in the midst of this where we would recognize this. And part of this is just a reminder. And again, just giving it to you in simple ways. Satan's best work happens in the dark. He, his, his, his lies and tactics work the best when you don't realize that he's working. But if you just recognize, I have an enemy and he's working against me, the moment that you recognize that part of his power is just almost like he, he works best when you don't. So part of this just daily is to come and say, God, I have an enemy and he is relentlessly pursuing me. And so, part of this is just to come into that and ask for his help. And if you wanted to spend more time in it, you know, I certainly think about uh, what Paul talks about the armor of Christ, and he tells us we could stand. And I'll just give it to you briefly. There in, in Ephesians 6, it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes, the plans, the manipulations of the devil. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, It says, take up everything that Christ has given you, and you can. You can stand against the devil. You can stand against his lies. And he goes and pictures it for us in the armor of God. Now, we spent, I don't know, seven, eight weeks on this last year, worked through it verse by verse and, you know, line by line. So if you're wanting to go more back into that, you can get it online. But there is a place that even just daily, just coming and saying, God, I recognize where I need to be. You know, I need to be just, you know, girded with truth, just recognizing this world is filled with lies, what God says is true, know my righteousness in Christ, know where I'm standing, that I'm, you know, putting on the feet shop with the preparation of the gospel of peace, I know who I am in this world, being ready at any moment, whenever temptation comes its way to, you know, take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, just to say, okay, God, I recognize I'm in a war, like I am in a war, but I have everything in Christ that I need. So daily, it's a space of coming and just recognizing, hey, this place is there, that, that I'm, I'm needing to deal with my brokenness, but I'm also dealing with a world that's pressing against me and I know where I am. I know where I am. I know that I'm living in a world that's against that. And I know I'm living in a world that I have an enemy that would want to you know, bring me down. And so daily, just knowing that becomes incredibly helpful. So as we think about that, or even all the ones that we've kind of talked about tonight dealing with our sin, just one more space kind of giving you any last questions that we have tonight as we think about, you know, what we've talked about in dealing with sin and the way that this works out into our lives practically. Any questions? Again, there's a bunch, so if I, you don't get any of them answered, you can ask me later too, just I don't have tons of space. But Okay, well, we're going to say that you guys... I answered them all. Like I did such a good job. Just kidding. No, I know I probably didn't. So if you have questions, please ask. I recognize these are kind of personal questions and these are ones that, that you can deal with, but I just want to come back and say part of the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray is to deal with your sin every day. Maybe you are. Good. Keep doing it. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're dealing with it so quickly. Because uh, you're almost embarrassed to be like, huh, you know, I don't want to be like that problem child. You know, it's like, God, here I am again. You know, like, it's like, no, I mean, really, I mean, so two out of the seven or four out of the 10, depending on how you want to divide it up, is dealing with your sin. You're, you're meant to talk to God a lot about it. There's power and there's help and there's grace and there's mercy. And that you would be doing this on your own is such incredible folly that you would be living short of what God is offering us in Christ where he's telling us, we need to talk about this all the time. Like, yes, of course we need to talk about it again. Yes, I know that you're broken and I know that you're a failure and I know you need my help. And and, and he's inviting us into a space where that would constantly be a a, a place of our life. And so if you take nothing else uh, from what I've said tonight, take this, make it a part of your prayer every day. Just make it a part of your prayer every day. Spend some time. Not just asking for Aunt Susie and, and Uncle George and, you know, praying for the world and praying for whatever. Pray for those things, too. And, and, but spend some time in relationship and worship and then spend some time just talking to God about sin. God, forgive me. Help me to know my forgiveness. Help me forgive others. God, help me because I know I'm going to face things today. I know I'm going to face things in the midst of this day. They are going to be t- and, and, and just recognize That you need it. Recognize it's all there. Recognize that all of that's a part of it. Here in Matthew's gospel, again, it ends uh, in a place of for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Again, one of those verses that probably isn't most manuscripts, but it's a good space to end. I I still sometimes, you know, it's just a great space to come and say, God, it's all yours. Like, It's only about your kingdom. It's only about your power. It's only about your glory. Those are the only things he's going to work anyway. It's good for me to kind of just filter that all through and say, God, I leave it at your feet and seek to do so. So tell you what, let's wind it down this way. I want to close this in prayer, but in a very quick way, and I'll try to be quick about it. I just want to quickly pray through the whole Lord's prayer with you. We pray for everything we've just, you know, talked about. Just kind of just helping us just to to walk through this in a way that we do this. And then we're going to close in worship. And once more, if you have questions, by all means, ask us. But let's go before right now and pray. Father, I think about this relationship that we get to have with you. That is so personal that we get to know you as our father. That you have created and desired for us to love you with everything that we are. God, I love you. I really, I love you. I thank you, and I want to love you more. Draw us deeply into this space where we just find that you really are the most satisfying and most glorious thing. God, right now, I just want to worship you. Hallowed be your name. You're a holy, perfect, righteous God. You are good. There's not anything in you that is broken. You never fail. God, you're gloriously true. It's not like anything else in this world, and I'm so glad for who you are. God, I trust you. I believe you. And God, right now, I'm looking at the future, and I am crying out for your kingdom. I am recognizing that I live in a broken world, but I'm so glad it's not always going to be this way. I'm so glad for the big story that Jesus, you have come and you've paid the price for our sin and you're coming back again and you're taking us into a a future that has no brokenness in it, no sin, no sorrow, no pain. I'm so glad. God, today I I just, I I ask for that. I'm crying out for your kingdom, but I also just am believing it. I'm just anchoring and just holding onto the anchor of my hope that is in you. God, I'm aware of so many that don't have this. And I know that one of the reasons we're still here is because you're saving people. God, all those that we're crying out for right now, we are just crying out in this moment that you'd be drawing them to you. God, recognizing who you are right now, I just want to come in and pray. I pray for your will to be done in us. God, you know us. You know what you have for us. You know how you've made us. You know what you have in store for us. Would you help us? Would you even now tonight just shape us, cause us to will and to do for your good pleasure? Would you direct our lives Lord and and, and in the midst of a world we just cry out for your will to be done in nations in in, in things that are around everything we look to you as the sovereign God and are crying out right now for your will and crying out that this day today you would give us our daily bread God we need you We need need life in you. We need all that you would supply. Would you be that supply into our life, just physically, emotionally, spiritually? Would you speak to us? Would you draw us? Would today be a day of of that with you? And and Lord, we look to you as, as the source of life, wanting to abide in Christ, wanting to walk in you and say, Lord, you have all of this. I'm so glad. God, draw us closer. Help us to depend on you more. As we're thinking about that, the problem is that we are broken. It does good for me to come and just admit to you what you know so well. God, I'm a sinner. God, I've been a sinner. There is in my flesh no good thing. And if that were my standing, I would have no standing. But God, thank you for Christ. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying the price of my sin, not in part, but the whole Thank you that now, right now, I am forgiven. I am forgiven in you. Thank you for paying that. Thank you for being more than I could ever imagine in that. Thank you for the wonder of that. And yet, Lord, right now, just wash me. Wash us. Wash our feet, as it were. Lord, let there be nothing standing between us and you. I confess my brokenness, our brokenness and I'm asking that you would forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, In that. If there's anybody that we need to forgive, if in our arrogance and our pride we are trying to enjoy your forgiveness but withholding it from others, I know it doesn't work. So right now, I just want to come and lay that down and, and, and just lay in your lap these and say, God, you're, you're God. I'm not. You're the, you're the one that will, will deal in justice and righteousness. That is not mine. It's mine to turn them over and say, It's not mine. I forg- I, how could I not be forgiving when you have forgiven me so much? Help us to display that. May we be the most loving and gracious people because we know our own brokenness, Lord. And yet, that brokenness causes us now to see the future. And, and Lord, tonight, <laughs> before we put our heads on the pillow, we are, we are gonna face things. We're living in a broken world. And so, Lord, help us. Would you lead us away from temptation? Would you, would you just take hold of our hands and, and, Lord, in ways that we won't even be able to see, lead our lives away from it, but in ways where you just need to cause us to be wiser, to make good choices so that we stay out of places where we would be tempted. Would you lead our lives? in a way that we'd avoid those temptations and yet when temptation comes you've promised to deliver us and I want to just gaze into those temptations right now with an expectation that there's a way out that you've promised to make a way out God help me to see it help us to see it and to take it to take those ways and Lord just rescue us from our own folly and foolishness And Deliver us, Lord, from the adversary of our souls, who you said is making plans against us and is trying to destroy. But you're bigger. You said if we would draw near to you and resist him, he would flee. God, we want that right now. Just destroy the work of the devil in our life. Anything that's there, cause us to stand in what you've given us in Christ and the armor that's ours cause us to overcome and to overcome anything that the enemy is seeking to do. Would you turn that which he has attempted for evil and turn it to good? God, we're just asking for this. We're just asking for this. And Lord, in this, as we've just prayed through this prayer together, I end it tonight just saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray more. Teach us to find what you have offered us in Christ. We ask for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. As we...